Well, I was in Colombia some this weekend, and I got to see some folk from my home church. And then the little church that I grew up in. And if I could ever find a picture, we don't have any pictures of the church, y'all, but anyway, you know how that is. I would love to show it to you. But we would sing a song, or they would sing a song, and it began with, it's a wonder what the Lord can do. Y'all know that song? You believe you do, Brother Hilton? Sing it. <laughs> I love this place. He's like, yeah, I just heard it. I didn't tell you I could sing it. Amen, amen. Well, in this little church, you know, we didn't know nobody really sang from hymn books very much. So the, the songs would vary. So I was asking my sister about it last night at our family uh, get-together, and she remembers slightly different words other than that, than that title. So this is how I remember it a little bit. You know it's a wonder what the Lord can do. What the Lord can do. Wonder what the Lord can do. He gave sight to the blind. Sight to the blind. To the blind. The lame began to walk. The dumb began to talk. You know it's a wonder what the Lord can do. Because it's a wonder what the Lord can do, right? I want to believe that those saints wanted to inspire and encourage in me what was to always to remain open to all. To how God might, can, and has moved in our lives and in the world. They insisted by their praise that the ways and works of God are mysterious, that they are marvelous, and that they are even miraculous. It's a wonder what the Lord can do, isn't it? It's a wonder just how much God loves us. It's a wonder how God chose to save us and show just how much God is for us and wants to be with us. And in the season of Advent, we are invited to wonder at the radicalness of how God chose to gift us with God's grace, God's love, and God's very presence with us. It's a wonder what the Lord has done in our lives and for the world in the incarnation, which takes entirely at God's initiative. None of us said, God, you know, we need saving down here. We need you to do something. God just did what God does, which is to show us love. It's a wonder what the Lord can do. Being open, we, when we remain open to being amazed, to wonder, it reminds us that we are always, always standing in the presence of something that is beyond us, something that transcends us and our own understanding of the world. Being open to all means that we are open to being amazed, to notice the wonder, wonder workings of God. Because if the truth be told, all is almost always nearby. If we but avail ourselves to it and learn to look for it. But to tell you the truth, sometimes it seems as if we have lost our sense of wonder. Even as people of faith, 
It's almost as if we have settled for rote, ritual, and routine in our relationship with an awareness of God. One Philadelphia pastor proclaimed that all too often we stand in awe of everything and everybody else. Jay-Z, Beyonce, what's going on? That's right. We all into Blue Ivy dancing with our mama, okay? We are in awe of everything and everyone else but God. I mean, really. When was the last time that you were surprised by God's goodness? When you were surprised by God's mercy, God's presence? Y'all, I wonder what diminishes our sense of wonder. What closes us off to being amazed to experience the awe of God? What, what is it, y'all? Is it time? We don't just have time. Is it trouble? Perhaps it is weariness. This Advent season, we are looking at how weariness affects our capacity and our ability to rejoice. Even though weariness is part of our world and our lives, we know that we were made for more. God wants more for us. We were made for joy. Our first message in this series Ask us to acknowledge our weariness. Stop trying to fake it. God never said, fake it till you make it. That ain't in the Bible. But to confess the truth about our lives and our, our souls, we, we ought to bring all of who we are, all of what we're going through to God and to one another. Being a part of the body of Christ isn't about hiding out by coming in here looking good and acting like everything is going well with you. It's about bringing all your stuff up in here so that we can share it with you. Not to talk about you, baby, but that we might bless you and walk with you. Last Sunday, we affirmed that even in the midst of our weariness, we can experience joy in community. We can experience joy when we are deeply connected to others because sometimes we can't rejoice. We can carry each other's joy. Sometimes when you can't rejoice, somebody can carry some joy to you. Yes. Yes. Amen. Because joy is contagious. And this Sunday... We consider how our weariness can give way to joy when we allow ourselves to be amazed. And that will lead to praise. When we are weary and numbed by life's circumstances, it can sometimes feel as if joy is out of reach, as if somehow it is beyond us. It is available to everybody else, but it is beyond us. But when we allow ourselves, and I really mean allow ourselves, uh, some of us are just too tight. Joy can't get up in there. You got every, everything closed off. When we allow ourselves to take notice and take in the amazing wonders that are around us each day, wonders we too easily ignore, have you ever listened to children's laughter and giggled and not smiled? You can't, because it's adorable. I think my two-year-old great-great-niece is absolutely 
Just adorable. Whatever she does, I think it's cute. Do you remember the first time your child saw a butterfly? I was like, what is that thing? And you, your all was renewed. What about the indigo blues of the sky at dusk? When T.J. and Jackson were little, after dinner, we would go for a walk, right? And I would have them look at the sky, and I said, what colors do you see? And they would go, Auntie, I see pinks and, and reds and orange. And I would go, look at that sky. Look. And it was different every day. Isn't that a wonder? When I was in Southern Africa, I drove from South Africa to Namibia. And there's a field called Namaquilands. You, you, it's really got a click in it, but that's a, do y'all have an image, guys? Yeah, the wildflowers. Anyone, it's just amazing, okay. No, that's the Hubble. Uh, not flowers. Okay, now I can't keep talking. This is my spot to get here, okay? It's okay. But I want you to, I want you to imagine driving down Reedville Road, John B. White, and on both sides, there is nothing but this incredible color of orange and, and reds and purples. And normally this is a very arid, almost desert like during most of the year, but after the rains, there's this swash of color. No one planted it, it's just like that. You're like, oh my God, who did this? And it's like God said I did it. And you can't drive through that area. Because I'm telling you, it's pretty barren otherwise. And not be absolutely amazed at this incredible beauty. Go home and look up, and you're saying, I don't think I can spell Namaquilands. It is spelled pretty much just like I just said it. Oh, there we go. But you literally would have to, it would go on for miles from, from here all the way to town, all the way out to East Main and keep going. You would just drive and drive, and it would just be this color and that color and this color. How can you not be amazed at God's creation? You see, it's a wonder what the Lord can do. As one of the commentators for our worship series in our devotional book said, allowing ourselves to be amazed requires a posture of paying attention. And too often our posture is too upright. Too often our posture is too focused on ourselves and on what we're going through. It is something that we must attend to, like Moses turning aside to see a sight that he could not understand. When we allow ourselves to be amazed, when we allow ourselves to open ourselves up to an experience of awe, then we are less likely to be lost in self-preoccupation. Because really the truth of the matter is, most of us are thinking just about ourselves all the time. Rather than wonder that is all around us, rather than wonder about what God is doing, because when we wonder about what God is doing, y'all, I'm telling you, that will turn to joy. And if you got joy, you're ready to praise. Maybe if we stop thinking, we know everything. And that every thought in our head and every word out of our mouth, everybody need to know. 
we might see something new and amazing. Maybe if we weren't talking so much. Whenever amazing things happen, we find a way to rejoice. And we find a way to invite others to come rejoice with us. Listen, if I win the $6 million, whatever the money, uh, I don't care if I win $600, because I don't gamble, y'all. I'm going to tell you. I'm not, I can't get, I have to eat my money. I'm just, I'm just saying, I got to eat it, wear it. I'll take a trip with it. But the idea that I'm going to throw it down a hole um, on the slot and get, mm, no, nah, amen. But if I just so happen, that's right, how am I going to win if I don't play? Okay. But if, if y'all want $600, listen here, I'm going to call everybody. It doesn't have to be $6 million. I'm going to call all of y'all, like, come on, let's party. That's right. Because if something amazing happens to me, I want to share it. In our gospel lesson, Elizabeth has given birth. Remember, this is the one they said was barren. She has given birth, and everyone, everybody, her friends, her neighbors, everybody come to celebrate with her because this is a joyous thing. And like I said, I love how the Message Bible puts it, seeing that God had overwhelmed her, overwhelmed her with mercy. They celebrated with her. When was the last time you and I sensed God's overwhelming mercy in our lives or in the lives of this church? As it was custom on the eighth day, the child was to be circumcised in name, but the crowd, when Elizabeth said, yeah, okay, circumcising his name is John, they did not believe her. There's a baby mama. She get to call him what she wants, amen. They didn't believe Elizabeth when she said his name was to be John, so they motioned to Zechariah, who had been unable to speak for nine months. Some of us can't go one hour. I'm one. He was not able to speak for nine months because he doubted the promise of God. He was unable to speak. He was, his tongue was silent because instead of praising God when he got the word, instead of praising God for God's mercy, instead of praising God for remembering him, instead of praising and thanking God, he over there doubting God, asking questions of Gabriel. And I tell you, I still love how Gabriel like, do you know who I am? I'm Gabriel. He challenged the possibility and the promise of God. He challenged the wonder-working power of God. And Gabriel said, just for that, nah, you ain't going to be able to say nothing. Now, I don't know what those months of silence did for and did to Zechariah. But I cannot help but think that his season of silence was, was spiritually transformative. I remember a time in, in my life, I was in graduate school. I was in seminary, y'all. And the, I'm just, I'm going to tell you the truth. Y'all know, I, you know me, I'm going to just tell the truth. I tell my own truth. These people got on my nerves. <laughs> this would be the, the two teachers in the class, Okay. And it really wasn't me. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. It really wasn't. So I decided that that would be silent. This started in like September. I said nothing in class for weeks. 
Now I watched my classmates, my peers, just sort of shrivel. And there's this thing called that you have to do this little didactic. You know, people say, they say something to you and you say something back about, you know. And uh, one of my friend, colleagues said, Sheila, we have missed your voice. Because these two people should not have been leading people trying to go into seminary. You know, I'm just telling you, it was, it was and one was this professor. It's, And right before this lady spoke, the Lord told me the word she was going to say. And I laughed. Literally. The, the word right before it came out of her mouth, the spirit of the living God went bloop. And I would, do you understand what that was like? Do you understand, do you understand, does anybody get this? Do you know how amazing that felt? Like, Sheila, man, I know stuff that's going on, and I can't let you in on it. Before. I was like, oh, my God, I got goosebumps just thinking about that. And it was funny. And everybody saw me laugh. And I, then I told her, and then I said some other stuff, but I won't tell you the other stuff I said. Uh, but silence and solitude can be transformative. I believe Zechariah had time to reflect on his faith. Because you won't do that if you're not still and silent. He had time to attend to his soul. He had time to listen to God and, and to see the wonder that God was doing in his life. He couldn't say anything to Elizabeth about that baby. But he couldn't say anything. All he could do was sit and watch and hear other people talking about the goodness of God. His silence, though, put him in a posture to pay attention and to be in awe of what God can do. But y'all, what, what does it mean to see the goodness of God, to, to witness the mercies of God and, and not be able to share it, to not be able to tell it, to not be able to speak of God's goodness? and to praise God for it. What does it mean to experience the awesomeness of God and not be able to or not say anything? But when Zechariah affirmed the name of the child, he said, his name is to be John. Now, maybe he didn't know, even though Gabriel told him that this wasn't going to be for a season. His name is to be John, the, the one who was promised to me, and I doubted. That's his name. His name is to be John, the one who will prepare the way for the wonderful one, the wonderful counselor who is to come. His name is supposed to be John because he has, God has his hand on him even before he was born. His name is supposed to be John. Free to speak now, free to speak. He is now free to praise God for what God had done and what God was doing because now Zechariah realized that God has got a whole other thing going on here. You see, praise is produced by wonder, by wonder at what God has done. Maybe that's why we ain't got no praise in us because we don't have any wonder in us. We're not in awe of what God has done. We're not in awe of what God is doing and what God will continue to do. Yeah, that's what old folks say. If he did it back then, he'll do it now. It's a wonder what the Lord can do. 
Praise is the product of awe, 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 amazing, awe at God's goodness, at God's mercy, and God's grace. Praise is the outcome of having seen, of having encountered, and having witnessed the splendor, the grandeur, the magnificence of God. Praise is the result of knowing that there is one who is able to keep you and me. That there is one who is able to help me and you and who will come and see about us. Never leaving us alone. Praise is the byproduct of just knowing Christ. It's a wonder what the Lord has done in sending us a Savior. Just the fact that he sent Jesus, that God sent Jesus, ought to be wonderful enough for us. And our response ought to be radical praise and persistent joy. When I think of the goodness of God and, and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, Hallelujah, thank you, God, for saving me. If you know you've been saved and, and redeemed, that you were once lost, but now you're found, well, you ought to be able to have a little joy even when you're weary a little bit. Amen. I don't know how you feel about it. Maybe all of this stuff, all of this Advent and, and Christmas and, and, and Easter stuff we do and, and the Lenten season, maybe all the churchy stuff is all whole home to you. Maybe you're not struck with wonder at the goodness of God. Maybe you are not in awe of God's grace and mercy and how are you, maybe that, maybe so. But as for me, it's a wonder what the Lord can do. Because it's a wonder what the Lord has done with me, amen? amen? It's a wonder what the Lord can do. And I know that what the Lord has done, that man, I can't wait to see what the Lord is going to do next, amen? I'm always looking and expecting something miraculous. That's like that song used to say, I'm looking for a miracle, amen? I expect. Expect the impossible with my God. I expect, I can feel the intangible. I believe it. God is going to do something amazing. Well, Sheila, how do you know? Well, Lord, he done already done it. God has already done it. It's a wonder what the Lord can do. And sometimes I might be weary, but all I got to do is remember. Remember to wonder at my God. I remember to wonder and be in awe of my God, even when I'm weary. And once I start to wonder and think of God's goodness and mercy and grace, oh, man, now I, then, I, then I move to praise. And if I move to praise, y'all, I got joy. Amen.